Hello, friends. Welcome to the second full moon festival in the sign of Leo. We are continuing to work within the field of influence of Leo energies released since the first full moon at the beginning of the month. The second festival of Leo gives this sign particular significance and power as we journey through the whole zodiac this year. Earlier this month, we reflected on the astrological energies and relationships associated with Leo. For example, the important fact that Leo is part of the fixed cross, which is the cross of discipleship. And the crucial role of this sign in the development and evolutionary unfoldment of consciousness. Now, let's turn our attention more closely to two aspects which appear to have significance at this time of planetary history. Firstly, the Sun as the ruler of Leo on all levels. And secondly, the relationship of Leo with its polar opposite, Aquarius, and how this relationship has particular implications for leadership, especially in response to the multiple crises humanity is currently facing. The sign of Leo exerts its influence in the Northern Hemisphere at the height of summer, when the sun has great intensity. In Western contexts, at this, this is a time when the holiday industry, which of course has been dramatically disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic, traditionally offers holidaymakers the possibility to travel to beaches, and places bathed in intense sunlight. This modern form of sun worship can perhaps be seen as a more materialistic expression and maybe rather poor substitute of a longing for a deeper sense of connectedness with the sun as a being infusing our planetary system with light and energy. Ancient religions and traditions cultivated a deep connection with the life-giving presence and power of the sun as a celestial presence. This reverence for the sun as a great celestial being or deity can be found in most, if not all, cultures across the globe. For example, the Egyptian god Re or Surya, the sun god from the Indian Vedic scriptures. From the ancient Vedic tradition, we are given the Gayatri, a most powerful mantra which opens our awareness to the inner spiritual being of the sun. Before we continue, let's sound together these ancient words after a period of quiet reflection. 
O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. Oh, In Vedic scriptures, the Gayatri is also referred to as the name of the goddess of the Vedic hymns and melodies, a personification of Gayatri mantra. It is also often associated with Savitra, a solar deity. In touching on these ancient Vedic mythologies, we get a sense of the sun as inherently imbued with spirit and consciousness. In contrast, our more materialistically oriented age conceives of the sun as a gigantic power generator, providing light, warmth and energy to our planet. Through scientific exploration, we are learning about increasingly more subtle and complex radiations emanating from the sun. And with this, the understanding of the weather of the sun and the implications for the climate on Earth. For example, in the work of the NASA Goddard Earth Science Research Center. The main approach is still purely material in nature. As this group states in relation to solar radiation, the sun's illumination is the ultimate energy source for the Earth's biosphere and the ultimate driving force for atmospheric and oceanic weather. Turning our attention to subtler etheric levels of what science refers to as energy leads us to the transmission and assimilation of prana from sunlight. The Tibetan explained in quite some detail the nature of prana and the etheric body and the sun as the distributor of cosmic prana in the solar system. In this system, the organ of cosmic prana, of the force vitalizing matter, is the central sun, which is the direct receiver and dispenser of cosmic radiation. This is one of the threefold divisions of the primordial ray of active intelligence. Each of the cosmic rays 
is in essence threefold, a fact which is oft overlooked, though logically obvious. Each ray is the vehicle for a cosmic entity, and all existence is necessarily triple in manifestation. The central sun has within its periphery a center of reception with a surface radiation. From treatise on cosmic fire. Sunbathing, of course, supports the assimilation of prana, as sufficient sunlight is vital for physical health. One might still wonder, however, whether behind the drive towards sun worship lies the deeper longing to connect with the sun on the level of consciousness. The theme of consciousness is, of course, expressed in the keynote of Leo. I am that, and that I am. A phrase with a wonderful symmetry and power to enter the depths of consciousness. The phrase is a door to move from the strong self-centered consciousness of the personality to the soul and group consciousness. Leo infused by Aquarius, as we will see later. And eventually to the consciousness of ultimate oneness of spirit. On Leo's role in the evolution of consciousness and sensitivity to gradually subtler levels of perceptions, the Tibetan states, the three aspects of the sun are of importance at this point because influences flowing through and from them bring the entire subjective and latent world consciousness to the fore and produce eventually at the final revelation and liberation the full expression of the consciousness of deity. This can be called divine sensitivity, the universal mind, or the divine plan or purpose. He then elaborates on the three aspects of the sun in relation to Leo. These three aspects of the sun are the factors which bring consciousness to birth and make the ultimate goal attainable. They make all forms of consciousness possible because these are rooted in the sun, symbolically speaking, and are an inherent aspect of the greater whole. Firstly, the physical sun, the anima mundi, the animal soul, multiplicity. Secondly, the heart of the sun, the human soul, and the divine ego, duality. Thirdly, the central spiritual sun, the divine consciousness, the will of the whole, the awareness of God, unity. These three correspond with the consciousness and sensitivity of the personality, the soul, and the monad or spirit. Such conceptions of the sun and consciousness still seem rather far 
from a scientific discourse or daily awareness and consensus. And yet, a very interesting article called Is the Sun Conscious? was recently published in the Journal of Consciousness Studies by Rupert Sheldrake, a biologist best known for his theory of morphogenetic fields and for exploring scientific thinking beyond the purely materialistic paradigm. Weaving his arguments from the basis of electromagnetic field theories of consciousness, he draws the parallels between the human brain with its complex electromagnetic activity and fields which organize information and the fact that the sun is a vast and extraordinarily complex electromagnetic system. Sheldrake suggests that the sun would be able to sense what is going on throughout the solar system, through the electromagnetic field that pervades the heliosphere, which could act as its primary sense organ. Thus, the sun's mind could, in principle, know about all events within the solar system. All these electromagnetic patterns would be integrated into the overall electrical and magnetic fields of the sun. The sun would also be able to sense through its gravitational field the positions and movements of the planets within the solar system, which exert tidal pulls on its body. This is indeed a very thought-provoking hypothesis, which would also resonate somewhat with theories proposed by physicists researching the electrical nature of the universe, about which you will find fascinating articles on the Lucy's Trust website. Whilst the scientific approach reveals ever deeper mysteries and levels of physical reality, the esoteric investigation uses the light of the mind as the main instrument to expand our consciousness and increase the range of subjective contacts which may include the contact with the inner light of the spiritual sun. This light of the spiritual sun is inherently reflected in our spiritual constitution. Hence the reference to the soul as the solar angel. We read in esoteric astrology how consciousness unfolds via Leo through gradual expansion from mass consciousness to soul consciousness. Mass consciousness in Cancer gives place to individual consciousness in Leo. Out of the mass or the herd emerges the self-sufficient unit, which becomes increasingly aware of its oneness its aloneness and its isolated attitude as the one in the centre of its small cosmos. This attitude continues to develop and to become empathic and dynamic, leading to the pronounced egocentric consciousness 
of the selfish, intelligent man and to the ambitious display of selfish power of the man who desires place and position. But eventually the time comes when the nature of the fixed cross begins to dawn upon the consciousness of the man and the influence of Aquarius, the polar opposite of Leo, begins to balance that of Leo. Then there comes the gradual shift of the focus of attention away from the one who stands alone to the environing group and an equally important shift away from selfish interests to group requirements. The current world situation increases the inattention and pressures for humanity to expand its consciousness by integrating the Aquarian energies which become more and more available to humanity pressed on by an intensifying series of crises. As the Tibetan states, in relation to Leo, this requires the integration of its polar opposite sign of Aquarius. When pondering on the challenges and crises humanity faces, for example, climate change, we often hear that we have the necessary knowledge and even resources to work towards solutions, but that there is a lack of political will. This seems to be a question of leadership. Are different approaches to leadership necessary at this time? Is leadership only the business of politicians or people in positions of power? What does leadership mean at all levels of society? What does this mean for holding positions of obvious leadership, such as politicians and heads of organizations in business and otherwise? What does it mean for so-called ordinary citizens? And what does it mean in relation to our subjective, spiritual and esoteric work? In the 1970s, Robert Greenleaf, who held leadership positions for several decades in large American companies, such as AT&T, developed the servant leadership movement. He explains this approach to leadership as follows. The servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. That person is sharply different from one who is leader first, perhaps because of the need to assuage an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions. The leader first and the servant first are two extreme types. Between them, there are shadings and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. 
this servant leader would appear to be the fully developed Leo personality, which is infused by the Aquarian qualities, as described by the Tibetan above. Larry Spears further developed the thinking of this leadership approach, stating 10 characteristics of a servant leader. Listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and building community. Without going into the details of each of these principles, simply meditating on these words in the context of leadership and how we may apply them in our daily lives may prove empowering and helpful, whether we are in obvious or non-obvious leadership positions. From the angle of servant leadership, we might discover unexpected opportunities for leadership in our daily lives. In the tale of The Lord of the Rings by Tolkien, we find a most interesting work of literature to study under this theme of leadership. The Hobbit Frodo, not immediately associated with powerful leadership, takes on the unexpected role of leadership in the face of overwhelming difficulties and adversity. As the elf Galadriel says, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Amongst many other applications and examples, servant leadership has also been explored in education as in the following article by Robert Fitzgerald from Illinois State University, interestingly called Becoming Leo, Servant Leadership as a Pedagogical Philosophy. On the theme of persuasion, conceptualization and foresight, particularly needed at present, he writes, inherently connected to persuasion and conceptualization is the ability of the servant leader to use foresight. According to Spears, foresight is a characteristic that enables the servant leader to understand the lessons from the past, the realities of the present, and the likely consequence of a decision for the future. This mentality is reflected in the following passage from the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching. When it is peaceful, it is easy to maintain. When it shows no signs, it is easy to plan. When it is fragile, it is easy to break. 
when it is small, it is easy to scatter. Act on it when it has not yet begun. Treat it when it is not yet chaotic. A tree thick enough to embrace grows from the tiny sapling. A tower of nine levels starts from the dirt heap. A journey of a thousand miles begins beneath the feet. Let us now harness the potent energies of Leo in service to humanity. Let us invoke the golden light of the spiritual sun and energize the mind and body of humanity with thoughts of enlightened leadership as expressed in the principles of servant leadership. Let us now go into meditation together. Letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world service, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, 
the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought for Leo. I am that and that am I.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world service, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. Together sound the affirmation.
in the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center I, the one who serves, will walk. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh.
Thank you, friends, for your participation and service today. The time of the full moon is tomorrow Sunday, two past one in the afternoon, British summer time. And the next full moon meeting is Virgo on Monday, the 20th of September at 6.30 p.m. And before that, the Lucy's Trust will be holding a webinar on civilization and the descent of light on Saturday, the 11th September at 3 p.m. British summertime. And you are very warmly invited to attend. Details of this webinar will be on a flyer and will be emailed soon. And a flyer will be posted as well. And all these upcoming events, as you will probably know, are on the Trust's homepage, www.lucistrust.org. Thank you very much again and wishing you all good wishes.